you all for tuning in to another installment of the Sports Rap Podcast right here on Heat 100 Radio and Facebook Live. It's your boy, Sports Rap D, and let's get it. So Ben Roethlisberger has announced his retirement from the NFL, which was really no surprise. He kind of hinted at it, uh, and there was really no change in it. You know, he hinted at it. And, you know, I guess he's figured that he's going to get out while he can, while he's still somewhat healthy, um, if you will. And we all know how that can be for football players with everything that's been going on over the past several years with football players and injuries because we know how violent of a sport it is. The Broncos are set to hire uh, Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. Also, underlying stories and rumors are in hopes that they could woo Aaron Rodgers to come to Denver along with him. The Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberfuss is set to become the new head coach of the Chicago Bears. The House committee has is set to meet with, with ex-Washington football team staffers to discuss their workplace violence. Well, that's just a start because you got the workplace violence, the sexual misconduct, and all the other stuff that goes on down there with that Washington football team in that executive office. So hopefully this is a start and hopefully they can get to everything and get to the bottom of what's going on down there in Washington. The Saints will interview Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn. Dan Quinn is going to remain in Dallas as the defensive coordinator there. Uh, Mr. Fury is going to fight a white. Um, the Usyk bout has been nicked, so there's been a change there. Um, you can follow that. You can get information from that on the page um, as you will. Draymond Green is set to be the first active player on Turner Sports in a deal which is the first of its kind. So kudos to Draymond Green. Um, I've seen him. He's been done spots on TNT uh, with the Inside the NBA. So he's done some spots, and I've seen some of the stuff that he's done. So Nate Phillips, thanks for tuning in as well. Uh, I've seen him, and I think he's pretty good. So hopefully he can do a good job. Um, I'm anxious to see how they tackle him being on the show as far as and also being an active player um, in the league. So we'll definitely keep our eyes to that and our ears to that story and see how that plays out. Four, four Arizona State football coaches, um, assistant coaches, resigned amid an NCAA probe. Folks, you see my face. You know why I did it and you know why I turned like that. Because like we mentioned before with other NCAA probes, some of these people are trying to get out while they can. It's starting to get a little warm in the kitchen. And they want to get out before it really gets hot. So they resign amidst the NCAA probe. Which also leads me to believe that either they were involved or they have some pertinent information. And they are looking to get away from the situation before it gets full-blown heated in that kitchen. Mutual in, There is mutual interest between Josh McDaniels and the Las Vegas Raiders. And the reports are out now that they are expected to hire Josh McDaniels as their next head coach. The Kings are apparently out of the Ben Simmons chase right now. Um, I think that they felt the asking price was still a little bit too high and they couldn't get a deal done. 
excuse me, done. So they have backed out of the Ben Simmons uh, chase. The Heat and the Suns, the two top teams in their respective conference, the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference in the NBA. And as you know, the All-Star starters were announced the other day, and I'll get to that a little bit later down the line. But we just looked at the starters, and it's just a little strange, a little funny, and a little odd that the two number one teams, the number one teams in each conference, do not have any members of the All-Star starters. Talk a little bit about that later on. The Jazz are in fear that Joe Ingles has a significant injury. And for you football fans, we've got two more weeks of football, NFL football, that is. But don't worry. If you were a fan, and I'm going to try and get to some of this today. If not, I'm going to post some stuff later and definitely bring it to you on Thursday. Remember, I just said Thursday. And stay tuned so you'll know where and what happens on Thursday. The USFL is coming, coming back, making a return on April the 16th. 2022. Philadelphia has a team. It's the same name as the former USFL, Philadelphia Stars, but we'll talk a little bit more about that down the line as well. So we're going to get into some scores from yesterday. Uh, we're going to talk some, we're going to get some NBA scores, some NHL scores, some NCAA men's basketball top 25 scores, and then we'll get to the NFL conference championships. And that's going to carry us right into our first segment of the day. So here we go with the NBA scores from yesterday. The Clippers defeat the Hornets 115-90. The Lakers fall to the Hawks 121-129. The Blazers fall to the Bulls 130-116. The Pistons outlast the Cavaliers 115-105. Excuse me. The Magic just get by the Mavs 110 to 108. The Bucks take a whooping at the hands of the Nuggets 136 to 100. The Suns outlast the Spurs 115 to 110. And the Timberwolves beat the Jazz by 20, 126 to 106. Moving on to the NHL. The Kings defeat the Penguins 4 3. The Kraken fall to the Rangers 3 2. The Sharks get beat by the Hurricanes 2-1. The Stars beat the Bruins 6-1. The Blue Jackets over the Canadians 6-3. The Wild defeat the Islanders 4-3. And the Sabres fall to the Avalanche 4-1. Moving on to men's NCAA basketball top 25. Yesterday, Ohio's number 16, Ohio State, falls to number 6, Purdue 81-78. Minnesota falls in a close one to number 11, Wisconsin, 66-60. And just a two-point win, number 17, Providence, gets by number 22, Marquette, 65-63. Also, a quick shout-out to Delaware Blue Coats and that staff down there. I thank you and I'm appreciative of you guys. Uh, they always show me great hospitality, show me a great time. They take care of me down there. Shout-outs to my guy, Joe Richmond, who always, always shows support and always, again, displays very, very great hospitality when I'm down there. It's good to see you yesterday, and hopefully we can get some things together and we can get together again soon. But thank you uh, for having me down there. 
And by the way, the G League Ignite were in town yesterday. And as you saw, I was in attendance. The Blue Coats take that game 131 to 95. Put a beating on them. Uh, you saw my post yesterday, and I was tweeting and, and giving you updates and everything during the game. But just real quick, the G League Ignite team was not what I expected going in. As we saw last year, we had um, some young men that are one year out of college that go to the G League and using that as their segue to the NBA. The guys that I saw yesterday didn't really look like the young teenagers who were like a year removed from high school. I'm just saying. It's just just my interpretation of things that was going on. Uh, it was a little bit of a surprise to see Amir Johnson um, on that bench. Didn't play, but he was there on the bench. And he looked really in tune with the guys um, that were on that roster. He was very supportive of that team. Nate, thanks. Good morning to you as well. He was very supportive of his teammates, so I love to see that. And again, it was great to be there uh, in Delaware, getting back out as I had not been down there for a while. But it was good to be back in the building. And again, thanks to Blue Coat staff for all of their hospitality that is always showed to me when I am there. So, finally, our last scores of the morning. NFC, AFC Conference Championships were played yesterday for the right to go and advance to Super Bowl 56 in L.A. So for the second year in a row, the home team will play in the Super Bowl in their home stadium, which has never happened until last year. And now it's happening two years in a row, and the home team is playing in their home stadium. It almost happened back in 2017 when the Eagles played and won the Super Bowl, but Minnesota had to come here and get through us to go back and play in their home stadium for the Super Bowl, and we kind of spoiled that for them and then went on to win the Super Bowl. So that was that. But again, the Rams, 49ers, uh, played yesterday. But I'm going to backtrack a little bit, and I'm going to go to the first game of the day, which went into overtime. Cincinnati Bengals against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Bengals take that game in overtime 27-24. The Bengals have surprised me, and I congratulate them on a superb season. Um, for them, at this point, you could arguably say that their superb season is in the books. Uh, last year, believe it or not, they were the worst team in the NFL. They had the worst record in the NFL. Let's see. Got some comments coming in. Uh, Nate Phillips Williams says, in his opinion, the Chiefs threw that game on purpose. Uh, you could argue that, um, Nate, but I also want to add in, they beat them earlier in the season. So they kind of had a template or some type of idea of how to beat them. But again, when you look at the beginning of the season, uh, it's now February. When you look back in September, October, you didn't expect 
the Bengals to be where they are now. You expected them to be better than they were last year, of course, but you didn't expect this. So the underdog mentality is still prevalent in the NFL, and we see it right now with the Cincinnati Bengals making the Super Bowl after winning their first playoff game, which was their first playoff win, and they think was 31 years. So it was a long time for them to not be in the playoffs and to have a playoff win, or to have a playoff win, I'm sorry. But they're there now, and in a way, I just hope that they can keep the momentum uh, going. They've proved me wrong twice so far because um, I felt like they wouldn't get by the second round and they proved me wrong. And then they get to the championship in Arrowhead against the Chiefs and they proved me wrong again. Um, Frank says the Chiefs flat out lost. They didn't throw it. The Bengals wasn't afraid of them coming in. They played on house money. Yeah, again, like I said, I don't think that there was any real fear in that because, like I said, they beat them earlier in the season. So they had a template, they had an idea or ideas of how they could beat them. And everything that you know about Pat Mahomes, um, yeah, Joe Rowe, Ice and his band, yeah, everything you know about Pat Mahomes was kind of on low display yesterday, especially after that divisional game against the Bills you kind of almost would think, and I thought it myself after that game, you looked and you said, uh, can either one of these NFC teams truly beat the Chiefs, let alone looking at the Cincinnati Bengals? You, you kind of were like, all right, Cincinnati Bengals making a good run, but they're going up against the Chiefs now, and, uh, you know, it's... It's going to be tough. They got to go in the arrowhead. They're young. Their first time in the playoffs. But as we saw, well-coached, very disciplined, and no fear. And they made it to the Super Bowl. But getting back to Pat Mahomes, and again, everything that we know about Pat Mahomes was very very much on low display yesterday. Uh, There were throws that were made by him that we usually see him make that were not um connected if you will um yeah he looks like he forgot to play in the second half that's why I said I give sense of all respect yeah I won't say I won't go as far and say that it looked like he forgot how to play I'm going to give uh some of that credit to the Cincinnati Bengals, because, again, like I've said a couple times already, they knew how to beat them. They beat them already, and they had to do it in the same fashion. They had to come back and win. So when you have teams like that going into the same opponent, going into a game, playing against the same opponent, there's really not much need for a sense of urgency. It's more attention to detail, remembering what we did prior to this game and focusing on that and improving that 
so we can get this win again. And I think that's what they did uh, yesterday. So we move on to the 49ers and the Rams game. Game, in my opinion, started out a little slow. Uh, each team and their moments showed where they could possibly take the game over, gain momentum, and keep the momentum. Things didn't work out like that. And the Rams made the key plays on the defensive side of the ball when they needed to. And then there's always that guy, Cooper Cup, who always, always seems to make a play when they need a play made on that offensive side of the ball. You had two receivers, Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham, who had over 100 yards receiving yesterday, which is phenomenal and somewhat unusual to have two receivers in a conference championship game go for 100 receiving yards, like I said, in the same game. So that was a little strange. But nonetheless, that helped them a little bit. And again, that defense came on when it needed to come on, and they made plays down the stretch when they really needed to make plays. And then ironically, and how fitting was it for them to end the game on that interception? And moving to the other side of the ball in the Rams, I'm sorry, the 49ers side of the ball, um, arguably you could say that was Jimmy G's last game in the 49ers uh, uniform. Yeah, 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 Nate, Jimmy G is exactly what you said. And I see the emoji, yeah, so I'm not even going to say it out loud, but people can check the comments and see. Cooper is a beast, yes, and, and OBJ has found something with the Rams as well. But again, I had been talking to people a lot about Jimmy G. That year they went to the Super Bowl, I think it was about two, maybe three years ago, one of the things I mentioned to a lot of people was the simple fact that I didn't have that full confidence in Jimmy G as being that guy to get you to the Super Bowl if it relied on his arm. I also felt like their coach, Kyle Shanahan, being the football mind that he is from the football family that he's from, made the game a lot easier for Jimmy G where it didn't come down to having to use his arm until yesterday. Where yesterday, you kind of, the way that game played out towards the end, you're looking at it and you're kind of saying, uh, here we go. Ball's got to be put in Jimmy's hands and didn't work out. So arguably, debatably, you could go and stretch and say that yesterday was probably the last time that Jimmy G will be suiting up for the 49ers. I think they're going to try and work in the young kid uh, in the offseason and in preseason and in training camp. But you never know. Uh, Jimmy G may be around to openly compete for the job, or they may look elsewhere with some names being floated around. Um, you know, I know you follow me, so I know you've seen this. You know, we know Aaron Rodgers will be a free agent. Uh, let's see. Russell Wilson may possibly be a free agent. 
So there's some things that could happen there. Also, there's been talk of a proposed trade of Carson Wentz, which right now is a proposed trade to the Bucks. But depending on how the 49ers feel and what they feel uh, during the offseason, maybe, just maybe, they could be thrown in that mix in a possible deal for Carson Wentz. And I kind of want to get into the Carson Wentz thing, but I'm going to save that for next week because we have a week off in between Super Bowls. So I'll kind of talk about that maybe next week uh, with the uh, Carson Wentz issues and things of that nature. We'll definitely talk about that. Uh, Nate says he feels bad for Debo. He played his heart on to see him go crying. Yeah, but but you know, it, it. I understand where you're coming from, Nate, when you say that, and I feel for Debo too. Because arguably, um, I believe he's the best player on offense on that team. And, and you know, it's that kind of like that old cliche, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So you kind of felt like you had to keep going to Debo. You had to because he played, like Nate just said, he played his heart out for that in that game. And, again, the way that game played out in the tail end, like that last pass from Jimmy G, was I I don't I don't even know what to call it I don't know how to explain it except for it was just bad and that's kind of what they have been accustomed to with Jimmy G since he's been in San Francisco uh you even heard Troy Aikman talk about it with the sense or or the sound of concern in his voice when he talked about arguably Jimmy G having to use his arm to win this game for the 49ers. So, again, like I said before, and I've told this to Frank, and Baldy's a 49ers fan too, he agreed with me that Jimmy G was not the guy to take you over the top. Um, I think Frank sees it really now. So, again, I think Jimmy G might have just played his last game in San Francisco. So, the Super Bowl is now set, Super Bowl 56. We've got the Bengals at the Rams, and once again, the home team will be playing the Super Bowl in their home stadium. And if you're not really aware of, you're not privy to all this information, usually the Super Bowl is played in a warm weather site or in a warm weather site or a dome site, and it's usually a neutral site. But the last two years, ironically, the home team playing in the Super Bowl will be playing in their home stadium. Uh, I'm not going to give you my pick just yet. I'm going to think about it a little bit. But I, I can tell you that I am somewhat swinging towards the underdog just because of the simple fact that they are the underdog. And it would be great to see a team like that go from being a team that had the worst record in the NFL the prior season to improving, staying together, started out the season a little shaky, got it together, and are making this miraculous run to the Super Bowl. And it would be great. It would be nice to see them win it uh, if that happens. So I'll give you my picks probably next week uh, when we'll do a little bit more talking about that. I may even give them to you Thursday. So what I'm going to do now, I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, uh, let's see. Somebody's giving me a pick right now. This is Nate 
and he says he's calling it uh, Bengals 34, Rams 24, and he has Jamar Chase as his MVP. So we'll hold that down, and we'll remember that. And again, I might even talk about this again on Thursday. And as you know, like it was mentioned on the Morning Rush, and if you follow me, you know, this Thursday is our next outing at the Drake Tavern, 304 Old York Road, Jenkintown, PA. We will be there live, and I'll give you more information on that in the next half uh, of the show. So, it's your boy D, signing out for right now. When I come back, we are going to talk some NBA, we're going to talk some Sixers, and we're going to ride this thing out. It's 11.56, almost lunchtime, a little bit warmer than yesterday, still a little messy out on the road, so if you're out, take your time, be careful, pay attention to what's in front of you, pay attention to the roads, and pay attention to the people around you. It's your boy, Sports Rap D. I will see you on the other side. Just a few seconds. Peace. All right, folks. We are back, or I am back. It's your boy, Sports Rap D. You know where I am. Sports Rap Podcast, the group page on Facebook. So come on back. Check me out. I'm here doing what I do. So get on over here. So right now, um, I want to welcome everybody back that is back. Thanks to Nate and Frank for tuning in earlier today. I hope you guys can come on back. We are now going to get into some some NBA talk. Uh, and I want to talk first about the upcoming NBA All-Star Weekend. There are some changes to the Rising Stars Challenge, and I'll get to those in just a minute. But I want to go into something that I mentioned early in the show in our uh, news and updates where we got the I think it was Friday we got or Thursday we got the picks for the all-star starters pool of the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference and if you haven't been following the last couple years uh, for the all-star game there's been a draft so there's been a 10-player pool of Eastern a 10-player pool combining of five excuse me, five starters from the East and five starters from the West that will go into a pool and be selected by the captains who are the top vote getters in each conference. Then there are reserves that are picked and they'll also go into a pool for a draft. So the starters for this year's All-Star Game uh, in the Eastern Conference are Kevin Durant, who's probably the leading vote-getter there, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, DeMar DeRozan, and Trey Young. On the West, you've got LeBron James, Nikola Jerkic, Andrew Wiggins, a surprise to a lot of people, Steph Curry, and John Morant, well-deserving and in some ways, I feel, overdue. So those are your... Ten starters, five from the East, like I said, five from the West. And again, they'll go into a pool and they'll be selected by the captains of each conference, which are the top vote getters in each conference. The All-Star Reserves will be announced on February the 3rd, which is this coming Thursday. And also this coming Thursday, Sports Rap will be live at the Drake Tavern in Jenkintown, 304 Old York Road. And... I'm thinking that we'll do something live there and we'll coincide with 
the selections of or the announcements of the selections for the All-Star Game reserves uh, on that day. And mind you, All-Star Weekend is February 18th through the 20th. And like I mentioned earlier, it's weird, odd, strange, funny, whatever word you want to use, that the two conference leaders, conference leaders in the West, the Phoenix Suns, conference leaders in the Heat, the Miami, I'm sorry, in the East, the Miami Heat, have not one representative in the starters pool, which is kind of strange. And you would think that since they're the number one teams in their respective conferences, that they would have somebody in this all-star starting pool. But no doubt they should have some players uh, in the reserve pool, and we will see that on Thursday. But it just makes you wonder how these all-star votings are uh, actually being conducted. Uh, Stan, Coach Stan, thanks for tuning in. Nate is back. Uh, Nate says about the All-Star voting, definitely feels kind of shady. Yeah, well, Nate, you know, the way they do it, the way it's reported that it's done, is the fans usually pick the starters. So I think that's another reason why there was some shock with Andrew Wiggins being named the starter. Um, I don't know how well or how bad his season is because I haven't followed as much um, as I probably should have going in. But you look at the Western Conference and you look at players like Andrew Wiggins, who apparently was voted in as a starter, and then you take the likes of the team that's in first place that doesn't have a member in this in Devin Booker. Just me, my thoughts. You you can kind of look at it and say, I don't know about Andrew Wiggins. I, I would kind of put Devin Booker in there as a starter. But again, like we said, the fans, I believe, do most of the voting for the starters, and that's the way it has played out. So when you think about the all-star voting, like Nate just said, it seems kind of shady. I, I wouldn't use that word shady. Uh, I would use, or I would say that there needs to be maybe a little bit of tweaking in that uh, voting process. And again, I understand that it's all about the fans and the fans uh, are voting for these players. And these players are the top 10 players, the top five in, in their conferences, uh, respectively. So they are the starters who make up this 10-player starter pool. But you kind of think and you automatically look at it um, on the surface and you say, wow, the two number one teams in the, each conference, they don't have anybody in the starters pool. I mean, they've got to be doing something right. They're the number one team in their conference. So you would just think that they would have someone in that pool. But the fans have made their voice heard and made their presence known and they've selected who they selected. So we all know that more recently within the last year or two, some things have been brought back into the all-star game. 
And, you know, there's a lot of stuff. There's a celebrity game and all this other stuff on Friday night. Then you have the skills competition, the dunk contest, the three-point shootout, and other things on Saturday night. And then culminating Sunday evening with the actual All-Star game. So one of the events that has been growing uh, in this All-Star weekend has been the All-Star Weekend's Rising Stars Challenge, which usually is a pool of players from second-year players and first-year players, rookies and second-year players. Well, this year, there's been some changes to the Rising Stars Challenge, and here they go. Rather than two teams evenly split between the rookies and sophomores, there will now be four seven-man teams made up of a combination of 12 rookies, 12 sophomores, and for the first time, four G League Ignite players. Okay, so now they're beginning to incorporate this G League Unite Ignite team into the fray and the G League more into the fray. Uh, the rookies and sophomores naturally will be selected by NBA assistant coaches and the four G League Ignite players will be selected by the G League head coaches. Uh, since there will be four seven-man teams, the teams will be coached by members of the NBA's 75th anniversary. Yeah, Nate, I kind of like this too. Uh, team along with assistant coaches from the, ca- the coaching staffs selected to coach this year's All-Star Game. With those coaches drafting their seven-man rosters, which will each include one G League Ignite player. So you got four teams, you got four G League players, so there will be one G League player on each team. Each team, each game, excuse me, each game will be played to a set score rather than on a timer. There will be three games played, two semifinals, with the winners then playing in a championship game. The semifinals game will be played uh, to a target of 50, and then it's, and then and the championship will go to 25. So I guess that's to conserve time uh, for that Friday night for the weekend. There will also be a shooting competition uh, in between semifinals and finals, with each shooting lo- shooting location being tied in tied to an, an iconic shot made during the NBA playoff, which I think is going to be fun. I think it's going to be exciting with them paying homage to what went on in the playoffs with some iconic shots from the NBA playoffs. Four teams of two competing in a time trial to make the shots as fast as possible will be um, participating in that. So, I like the change uh, in this uh, Rising Stars Challenge. I also like the fact that they're spreading the wealth. Um, They're giving you more of a look at the sophomores, the rookies, and you're going to get four G League players, which most people coming to the All-Star game don't usually get to see the G League players. Um, 
because they play in smaller venues and things of that nature. So you don't really get to see them. So this is great for them to get some exposure and maybe even have an audition for some NBA teams. As we know, with the COVID thing still going on, could possibly get called up to a 10-day or end up getting a two-way. So I'm glad to see that for the G League players. Again, um, the tournament, the four teams, I think that's great. Uh, the competition in between the semifinals and the finals, I like the fact that because it's the 75th anniversary, that those shots will be made up of iconic shots from the NBA playoffs, which I think is great. It will reveal some history. Uh, it will bring some memories to NBA playoffs for a lot of fans. And again, like I said, it's a great thing. I think it's going to bring some exposure to a lot more people, and I'm all for it. Hopefully it goes well, and that gives us definitely something to talk about uh, on the show and something to bring back to you. So, again, All-Star Weekend, February the 18th through the 20th. All-Star Reserves will be announced on February the 3rd, which is this Thursday. And you know where we'll be this Thursday, so you can get there and tune in and check that out. Also, between today and Thursday... And I have to figure out a creative way to give away these tickets. But I was just informed by Simply Monica in the Morning Rush that I will have two tickets to give away for Shabazz Curry on February the 9th at Punchline. So bear with me. You heard it here. I will come up with something creative between today and Thursday for some type of contest to give these tickets away. Again, that's Shabazz Curry, February the 9th at Punchline. So stay tuned for that. If it ends up being on Thursday, unfortunately, you would need to be present to claim these prize tickets. So that means you got to get up, you got to come on out. The weather's going to be a little bit better on Thursday. So you can come on out and join us at the Drake Tavern where we will be hosting Sports Rap Live once again at the Drake Tavern. Again, we're in the window. So again, like I mentioned there, if you ride by and you see us in the window, honk your horn, wave to us. Even better, come on in, have a drink with us, and talk some sports with us, and maybe get a chance to win these tickets. So, finally, before I close out, I have to talk a little bit about my Sixers, who have now jumped... From six to three in the Eastern Conference standards currently. 30 and 19. They have now moved in front of the Brooklyn Nets to take hold the first place in the Atlantic Division as well. They face off tonight against Ja Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies at home, which is definitely going to be a tough task. But I think with the way our MVP is playing, that we should be able to get a hold of this game and, and win this game. Albeit said, we cannot have a slow start. But again, if we do have a slow start, I think with the play of Joel and B, that we could very arguably, and I'm not going to say the other word, but we should be able to hold off the Grizzlies uh, tonight. So speaking of the MVP, in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinions. Joel Embiid 
if he scores 34 plus points tonight, he will move into being the front runner, the league leader in scoring. <sighs> going to be tough because I know how teams are going to play him. But if he imposes his will like he has been, I think that he has a very good chance of gaining that 34 plus points and propelling himself to Mac, Al Mac, what's going on? Um, and propelling himself into that number one scoring leader. But I think more so he would want to be in first place with the strength going into the playoffs. Um, let's see, we got some comments coming in. Nate says, I hope John Morant doesn't cook us uh, that bad tonight. Matisse Thibel needs to stick him stick to him like glue. Yeah, um, I, I'm pretty sure that if Matisse is in the starting lineup, that he would be guarding John Morant, their most exciting, their most explosive player. But it all depends on what the rest of the guys do on our end. Uh, we have to make it so that John Morant does not beat us himself. We have to make him uncomfortable, if you will. A lot of the shots that he's comfortable with, a lot of things that he's comfortable doing, we have to find ways to make them a little bit more difficult and challenging for him. We also have to, as we have been doing, play through our MVP, arguably the league MVP in Joel Embiid, who has shown us that when he's focused, when he puts his head down, when he is in his in his rhythm, in his mood, he makes the game look so easy and he dominates very easily. So with that being said, my last point of the day, and again, I'm going to continue to talk about this because as I am here, I am looking to speak this into fruition. Because you all know, as I've been saying and other people have been saying for the last couple weeks, Joel Embiid should be the major focal point of the MVP talk. And I'm not saying that there shouldn't be other people talking about other people in it, which they should. But I think with what he has done for the team, what he has done individually, has put him a little bit further ahead, in my opinion, of the other candidates who are in the running. Thanks, Nate. So, reading this article, and first thing, line in the article, Joel Embiid is the best player in the league, and it's not close. You've heard Shaq say it. You've heard Charles say it. you heard Kenny say it. And you've heard other people say it, but we just need the NBA to get on board and not try to shun Joel Embiid because he's made strides this year. He's been healthy aside from early nagging injury and the COVID issue. He's been solid. He's been in shape and he's been playing. He hasn't really missed many games as we were accustomed to, if you will. He is averaging more than 30 points a game and 10 rebounds per game. His official averages over the last 20 games, 31.8 points, 
10 rebounds, 4.2 assists on 53.5% shooting from the floor, 37 from three-point land, and 84.5 from the free throw line. He has bumped in the last five games to kind of chop this down and give you where his argument stands. In the last five games, averages of 38.4 points in just 32 minutes per game. Yeah, Nate, kind of Jordan-like numbers, absolutely. Problem is, though, he has it has to be recognized by the league, which they're kind of like dragging their feet about it. Um, moving on, his streak of scoring 30 points in away games has moved to 12. He's only one of five players to do so in the past 50 years, with the most recent being James Harden. Uh, he is counting the home games. He scored at least 30 in 15 of the last 17. Okay. And remember, he's averaging more points than minutes played. Okay. More points than minutes played. Keep that in mind. It also goes and it closes out and it says, and I quote, if MB raises the ceiling of every player he plays with, and raises the ceiling of the entire team to a legitimate playoff team, how would he not be the league's most valuable player? So, you've seen what he has done. And people will continue to argue about the Joker and his triple doubles, his passing ability, and all of this other stuff. Joel Embiid is beginning... And is improving on those facets as well. You also have to keep in mind the makeups of both rosters. The makeup of the Denver Nuggets roster supporting cast is a little bit better right now than the Sixers supporting cast. And that's no disrespect. I'm a diehard Sixers fan. I'm also a basketball fan. I understand the game. So I can sit here and tell you that that supporting cast in Denver is arguably a little touch better than the Sixers supporting cast. But these guys have been performing and have been uplifted by their superstar player. His passing has gotten better. His recognition of double teams has gotten better. I also think where Joel has an advantage is his athleticism and his prowess on defense and I'm not saying that Joker doesn't play defense because he does get blocks but I think Joel's prowess is a little bit more advanced on the defensive end than Joker's is I also think that Joel is has become more of a leader with this team where a lot more of these players and these younger players have become extremely confident and they're listening to what he's telling them and saying to them, and it's making them better. So if he's lifting his teammates up and making them better and still scoring at the rate that he's scoring, where he's scoring more points than he's playing minutes, I think that's all the right things that would put you in the front-runner seat for the NBA. Yeah, he needs help. Um, 
And I understand that, Nate. I don't know whether it's going to happen something smaller than what we expect by the trade deadline or sometime in the offseason. But I do respect the fact that Daryl Morey is aware of the situation and he understands that whatever move he makes, the way Joel is playing right now, he has to get it right and put something with him or around him that will propel and help help propel them to the next level. As he stated in his interview, he said, I could make a move now for with Ben for almost uh for lack of a better phrase, regular players or lower tier players, which might make us better. But the ultimate goal is to make us a lot better and not a little bit better. Let's see. Uh Nate, yeah. Um with that question, I think the James Harden thing, if it happens, I feel like it's looking more like it would happen in the off season where somehow, some way Daryl Morey can play with some numbers and some contracts and possibly do a sign and trade. Because I honestly don't think that the six the Nets, I'm sorry, would be too interested in uh receiving Ben Simmons. I feel like they would try to steal some other pieces that the Sixers may not want to and arguably could ill afford to just give away right now. So to answer your question, Nate, I think that that James Harden thing, if it happens, I think it's going to happen in the off season. So again, I'm going to talk about this for as much as I can. Every time I get stats and info, I'm going to post it and share it with you because we are going to speak this thing into fruition. Joel Embiid, again, MVP-type numbers, MVP-quality play, should be heavily considered, should be the front-runner for the NBA MVP. Also going into his fifth consecutive start in the All-Star game. Also, again, averaging more points than minutes played has now propelled the Sixers from 6th place in the Eastern Conference to 3rd place, being 1.5 games out of 1st place, and also propelling them to the top of the Atlantic Division where they have supplanted the Brooklyn Nets, who now have moved to 2nd place. That being said, folks, again, sometime, maybe later today, but I'm going to stretch it between today and Thursday, I have two tickets for Shabazz Curry at Punchline on February the 9th. So I'll think of something creative uh, to give those tickets away. It may be today. It may be tomorrow. It may be Thursday. But also remember, Thursday, we will be at the Drake Tavern live. We will do something live and we will discuss and break down and have a very good discussion about the NBA All-Star Reserves, who will be announced that day. We will also talk about the Super Bowl and the and the conference championships. Talk about those two games again. We're going to talk about the Cinderella story of the Cincinnati Bengals and probably a lot more. But you need to come out, hang out with us Thursday, this Thursday, February the 3rd, at the Drake Tavern, 304 
Jen- Old York Road in Jenkintown, PA. If you follow me, and I know you do, pay attention because I will be posting from today up until Thursday before we are there. Need to see you there, people. You saw the seats uh, last week, two weeks ago, rather. So we got to get you in there. We got some good stuff. Come on out. Have some good food, some fun. Have a couple drinks. And come talk sports with us and meet and greet us. And enjoy a good time out with us. Again, we've got two tickets on the line. And I'm still working on Like I said, I'm going to come up with something creative for these two Shabazz Curry tickets. With that being said, folks, we wrap up another installment of the Sports Rap Podcast right here on Heat 100 Radio. Audio will go up tomorrow, Wednesday at the latest for the video. And you know where to find me. Sports Rap Podcast is the group page on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter at SportsRap underscore D. The webpage, SportsRapRadio.com. The YouTube channel, SportsRap TV. Head on over there when I'm done here. Click that like button on the videos that you like. Hit the subscribe button and subscribe to the channel. Then finally, hit that bell so you'll know when new video is uploaded to the channel. Also, the audio, Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple and Google Podcasts, and most of your podcast outlets. It's your boy D, signing out today, January 31st. Tomorrow, February 1st, 2022 is coming in and it's moving pretty quickly. As we always say, be great on purpose. Be careful out in these streets. And we will see you on Thursday at the Drake Tavern all week on social media and right back here next Monday on the Sports Rap Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Peace. Black Wall Street is now online, baby. That's right. Visit the GW District. Shop the very best in men's and women's apparel and accessories, home decor, office supplies, books, pantry items, and so much more. The GW District is a retail marketplace of black-owned products and media. We're both veteran and black-owned, and we're bringing you the best online shopping experience with products made by small businesses. Come and experience the GW District difference today at shopgwdistrict.com. That's shopgwdistrict.com. The GW District, a retail marketplace of black-owned products and media. That's right. That's right.